HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode has been brought to you by Worldwide Soba, a Japanese noodle production company. This week on Meet and 3, we get ready for Super Tuesday by looking at how food shapes elections both at home and abroad. People know that you don't order a Philly cheesesteak with Swiss cheese as John Kerry did back in the 2004 cycle. A young group of friends decided that they would put up a website which told voters which polling booths had sausages. Prime Minister David Cameron was pictured about a week after this incident eating a hot dog in a bun with a knife and fork because he was so afraid. Tune in to Meet in 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello and welcome to Snacky Tunes. I am one half your host, Darren Bresnitz. This week we are in the Go Get em Tiger Clubhouse, a.k.a. the new commissary, sitting down with Kyle and Charles, who have spent their entire adult life in the pursuit of the perfect cup of coffee. We take a look back at the start of their business, how they grew it, what they learned in the past, and they share some really intimate insights about what it means to be in business for yourself and how to learn from the mistakes you made and be happy with the success that you find. Then we go deep into the archives to one of our earliest shows and we play a special performance from Baths, who is one of our favorite performers and have been back a couple of times over the years. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Snacky Tunes here on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We talk about food, we talk about music, with musical dudes, finger on the pulse, snacky tunes. Um, I talk nicely to them and try and get them to come closer.
Snacky Tunes. I am one half your host, Darren Bresnitz. We are deep in Vernon, yeah, edge of Vernon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vernon, Vernon. Huntington Park is right there, so yeah. I guess we're deep. Yeah. How often are you going to El Russo these days? Oh, I I will go every day if I don't like limit myself. But it's too popular now, so we're kind of out. Like, yeah, but like on a Tuesday at like nine thirty, it's still slammed. It's amazing. Okay. Well, we I are. Lo- I love like that is. That the best is. food thing that happened last year. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hands down. Yeah. Uh, we are with Charles Babinski, Chief Proc Officer, and Kyle Glanville, co-founder of Go Get Em Tiger in the, can we call it a clubhouse? Yeah, we're in the clubhouse. Clubhouse warehouse. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like people who are going to come and be like, oh, it's your clubhouse. You're like, just stay away. We'll like you for like the opening party. And the people are like, the warehouse, like, okay, come here to work. Yeah, you could yeah. be here. That's um true. So it's pretty amazing to be sitting in a giant warehouse of what essentially started as a coffee shop pop-up. Yeah. And I want to go back, not to the very beginning, beginning, um, but sort of when you were getting started, when you were thinking after the pop-up of the coffee shop, what was the plan? Was the plan to do like one artisanal, just it is an icon beacon coffee shop, or were you going for what you have now, which is the multiple locations. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, plans shift over time and there's been like a trajectory for our plans. I think when we were very, like day one talking about doing this business, it was let's build a coffee shop. Um, And we had the sort of benefit of coming from Intelligentsia where we saw that one single 
location could be like a great business that, you know, fed your family and took care of the bills and made you feel good. Um, and then, you know, we started the pop-up and I personally was, went into that pop-up like pretty arrogant, I guess, like, like pre, pre knowledge. One, one thought of the arrogance. I just thought that everybody would be there. Oh, sure. I just thought like people would write about us and everybody would show up. And remember, like this is, you know, 2012, right? Sure. So this is before, still kind of before like the sort of aggressive spread of fancy looking coffee shops. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, we felt like we were doing something really different. We were new to the market and, you know, we would be slammed. But like we opened those doors at Squirrel in, on October 4th, 2012. And it was like a lot of thumb twiddling for a while. Um, and so, you know, whatever our ambitions were going into that, it kind of became survival mode almost immediately. Like I, whatever savings I had, which was modest, like gone. And, really? Oh yeah, quickly. How quickly into starting a business did you feel that... You're like, okay, every money, every penny I have is going into it. And then what does that actually look like? Like, are you being like, we're making ham sandwiches or we're eating leftover croissants? Yeah. 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 We definitely ate like whatever scraps we could. Leftover pastries. Sure. You know, luckily, we started alongside Jessica. And so we there was food around. Yeah. Uh, what you do with that rice bowl, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. It went missing. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And it was just Charles and I, and I think we were pretty terrified to hire anybody for a long time because that's just like an enormous responsibility to cover that paycheck. Yeah. And I think like the coffee was bringing in like $300 a day and, you know, there's all the costs come out of that and there's like a few pennies to rub it together maybe at the end of that. I mean, for us, really not. Yeah. Um, and so it was really terrifying. And so... I think maybe right before we opened the pop-up, we're like, we're going to do a hundred of these in California. Like we're just going to be the preeminent boutique coffee company sure. in, in California. There's like this, all this opportunity and you know, we're like weird and have ideas. And then, you know, a couple of weeks into operating in squirrel, we're like, holy shit. Like our only plan is just to not die. And, uh, you know, and it felt like that for a while. And even when the Jonathan gold thing sort of, he, he shined his light on Squirrel and, you know, we saw like Jessica explode and, you know, we were still, you know, I think our best day ever was like a thousand bucks. Yeah. Um, That's a big day though. Yeah. In the moment. Yeah. I mean, not, not really, not, <laughs> not, you know, not, I mean, we came from, point we, we came from Intelligentsia sure. and like, like the Silver Lake shop would do like a $12,000 Saturday, you know? Let me just ask for that frame of mind though I mean you're comparing yourselves to what was arguably one of the most established national coffee brands that had even had awareness on the east coast yeah. when did you either stop comparing yourself to them to be like to measure your own success mm. and then start thinking like okay like we're not gonna we're not gonna have to eat leftover you know pastries and croissants was there a moment uh, no, I mean, it, it came a lot later. Uh, I mean, realistically, for the first couple of years, I lived off of tips, and there was, like, a long period of time where the majority of my calories came from Tacos Tomas in Grand Central Market. Sure. A $3 taco the size of your hand uh, would more or less feed you for half a day. The size of your head. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, and 
you know, like a thousand dollars, like it, it, it can feel like a lot, but coffee shops are built for volume and everything. Like you can serve a thousand people off of one espresso machine, you know, with four people, or you could serve a hundred people off of one espresso machine with four people. And it really is, uh, you know, like you, you're not really cooking until you get to that higher and higher volume. So I want to jump forward a little bit of when you finally opened up the first location. When did it feel that you had established the brand and you could start thinking about expansion? Uh, I think we got a really nice piece of press from the New York Times in June of 2014. And we had already opened two locations because we opened GMB at Grand Central Market and Go Get Him Tiger on Larchmont. Sure, but you had to, a month of each other. But at some point, you had to pick a lane. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like you didn't like Go Get Him Tiger is the one that's ever. Yeah, that's we always like we always had this notion. So the Go Get Him Tiger thing kind of fell into our lap. Um, not the name of it, but that location and sure. that opportunity. And so <clears throat> when we started this other brand, there was intention behind that. It was like, and our original intention was basically like really good coffee is so much about technique and service and a little bit also about like only buying like the upper, upper echelon of ingredients. But if we could like maybe like scale back on the, our input costs and do something that actually like hits people a little bit in the middle like we could create you know the first like actually truly sort of mainstream three wave coffee thing mm -hmm. now what actually happened is we don't have it in us when we know that there's a better product to buy the cheaper product it's just not it's like not in our dna yeah so we had go get him tiger on larchmont we had gmb at grand central market and they were Essentially the same thing. GMB had like a little bit more experimentation going on. Go Get Him Tiger ended up having food and then that kind of scaled up for us. Um, but in the early days, they were kind of the same thing. But the, the original thought was like GMB is named after us. It's Glanville and Babinski. And like we're not going to like make this national presence with our name with like that's just not that that's weird and so right especially when people are like so what tell me about the name you're like well it's about us <laughs> yes yeah. the name is our names the names are our names yeah the actual company name is glanville and babinski which sounds like a law firm yeah uh, like are you injured yeah do you why um, do you want some coffee yeah uh so uh so go get him tiger you know we thought like that was like a really memorable name mm -hmm. and like the concept behind it was really memorable we did like lots of like airy space and bright colors and like we wanted to make it like I think fun and like really palatable uh, to a wider audience um, and so that's always been the one where we've been like you know if we're going to grow something that's what it's going to be but in truth you know the first year of those two both those locations running them simultaneously like we we like ran ourselves into the ground yeah. like we like seven days a week literally 16 to 18 hours a day open one shop midday flip sides and close the other shop wow and we didn't have managers we didn't have like other leadership in our store so like bill paying we couldn't afford a bookkeeper like so bill paying payroll uh like all that stuff was was you know in our purview and it was it was gnarly like really gnarly is there advice that you would share to people who are just getting started and having multiple locations of any food driven or coffee driven business that um, 
parts or places where you sacrificed or felt the strain that looking back now, maybe you didn't have to? We didn't, we didn't, we just didn't get enough money. Mm. Um, I think that was a big thing. We overestimated how much we would have to, we underestimated how much we would have to build the loyalty with the customers. Um, we overestimated how, how hype driven coffee can be. It's a ritual. It's a daily thing. It's medicine for a lot of people. It's not like a hype driven business. Mm. Um, and so we, we, I think we underestimated how long the work of like getting loyal customers was going to be. I think if we were to do it again, we would start with more cash. We would maybe be a little more aggressive about getting, <laughs> just getting cash. Yeah. We which, started which at the moment we didn't really, I've we, heard about this really money thing yeah. and the importance <laughs> of business. Yeah. Yeah. But well, we started with basically with, with basically no cash and, right. um, uh, do you recommend, would you have recommended like taking out a, like a low interest loan or would you have just gone to friends and family and been like, Hey, we need a couple we, thousand. We did that. Like right. we, we got what we could out of friends we got 39,000 bucks, yeah. which like got us some equipment. And, and sure. realistically we didn't have access to a whole lot of, uh, money and a whole lot of opportunities. And we, we took advantage of, of what we did. It's like, it's funny to think going back because like we didn't know. Like if we had more cash, we might not even have used it in the most sensible way. Hmm. And one yeah. of the advantages of being a small company, like what Kyle was talking about earlier, about one of us opens one shop, the other opens the other, you switch in the middle of the day. Like at the very least, you can put everything on your backs and kind of carry it where it needs to go. Yeah. And yeah. That is that is the value of a small company. So you can let your team go and just work it yourself, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. And uh, there were moments like we we had some like really good key staff that we had hired sort of in a fit of like optimism that we were like, look, you're like everybody in town will want you to work for them. And like, we can't afford you. And so that's a tough day. Oof, yeah. Did you bring any of those people back when you finally were able to hire people? No, actually, like, uh, I mean, the biggest one I can think of is Percy, who, like, if I was Percy Ramirez, who's living in San Francisco now, and if I were to, like, run, like, uh, like a draft lottery board oh, yeah. of, like, coffee drafts, he would be, num- I think, number one or number two for me. Would he get a jersey? Would he get, like, a go-get-em jersey? That's a, well, we ha- we've designed a go-get-em jersey. We just haven't pulled the trigger on okay. it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, uh, so, I-, I think the thing that I would say about anybody going into it and I, I I really believe like if I had known then what I know now I just wouldn't have the, the guts to do it there is some of that you have um, to be blind blind perseverance yeah and then you come to one day and you go like okay this yeah. is viable yeah um, well we're gonna take a quick break and talk about the viability and the opening of the second but first of many additional locations of go get em tiger We have a song for the archives here on Snacky Tunes on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Don't you tell them what to do Just sit yourself down And don't do these things to you Pride. Is that pride you got? 
solo <laughs> so good Snacky Tunes. We are with Kyle and Charles of Go Get Em Tiger, and a big shout out to Erica for bringing the coffee to get us through the second part. So, I want to talk about that moment when you decided that you were viable enough to launch a second location to Go Get Em Tiger, um, knowing that you had just dealt with two locations and you couldn't do probably like multiple swapping all the time going into opening a new location. So what was that moment? When did you finally feel that you had hit enough of a least of a threshold? I think the precursor to that moment was definitely the the press in the New York Times. I, I cannot really express enough how much that changed our world. New York Times. It's the New York Times. I mean, we kind of should have known. I was like... Just to give a little like bit of background, I remember like one time before that, the New York Times like sneezed our name on like the back back pages of some like roundup like that mentioned Grand Central Market, and we saw an uptick in business. Huh. And we were like, and like the LA Times could put us, in, no offense, to LA Times, but like unless it was Jonathan Gold, like they could put us like on the front page and nobody give a shit. But like New York Times, like just like whispers you, and it's like a huge sea change. The other one is Westways. It's like incredible. Really? Yeah. yeah. Shout out to Westways. Shout out, Shout out to Westways. Um, uh, but uh, so so that like that article, just to put it into perspective, came out digitally on a Wednesday afternoon at like one p.m. And by three o'clock, we were fucking sandbagged. Like we were inundated with customers in a way that we had never been before. And we stood in the same place for basically two straight weeks, uh, serving people who had heard that we had the best ice latte in America. Um, Interesting. And it, it doubled our sales overnight. Now, in the, you previously talked about the hype versus ritual yeah. of coffeeness. Does that taper off after a while? It's, a, it's definitely ephemeral. Like, I, I, but like, it gave us the exposure to people. I mean, getting that first handshake, getting that first opportunity to serve somebody is like that's the opportunity you, you need. Like, and so and then you have to prove it and you have to convince somebody to come back. Yeah. And especially when people are looking for their cup of coffee to define who they are. Yeah. Like, I am a fill-in-the-blank 
this type of person who go, drinks this coffee. This is these are my people, and now absolutely. this is my hat of yeah. the coffee shop I go to. I think what the New York Times thing did though is it gave people who weren't interested in sort of higher end coffee per, uh, permission to try this thing out. Sure, especially when there's so many options and you love coffee, or at least you love the idea of going to a coffee shop. Sometimes you just need to be told where to go. Yeah. And when but they that's went, how we all are, like yeah. restaurants and stuff, right? Like somebody says, like, All Day Baby is good, and you're like, great, like, I, I can go to All but Day Baby. They are. Yes. Yes. Um, so when you opened up the second Go Get Him Tiger location, were there similar issues, new issues? New issues. What were some of the new issues of opening up a second location then? Well, so that one, we were seeing the success of our food, and so we really wanted to, like, punch that up. Yeah. So we hired like a real chef, Rhea uh, Dolly, who we worked with at Squirrel. And we put in all the infrastructure, the hood, the grease interceptor. Like it was no longer like a few hot plates and a waffle iron. Like, um, and people were hyped about Rhea's food. We had kind of like broadcast that this was going to be a really, really special thing. And we definitely were feeling that. Like it was, we weren't just going to do the same thing that we had done before. We were going to do something that like was a little bit more punched up. And we did a private preview, uh, I remember, like right before our opening day, invite only. We invited 100 people. Somebody put it on Instagram, and we just got slammed before we were ready to serve anybody. And our whole opening first couple of weeks was just pandemonium. Just going down in the weeds. Yeah. Every and day. The the new problem was that we we like weren't ready for it. Hmm. And so we fucked it up. And did it affect coffee service as well? Oh yeah. Because people are getting food and coffee. So sure. uh, I mean like if you get your coffee right away and you get your food thirty minutes later. Or an hour and later. Food and the coffee service is like <laughs> I can already tell you what my visceral reaction to that is. Oh, yeah. And I am first off, I don't I'm not planning for an hour. Right. For, I'm planning to get like my biscuit and my coffee in like five minutes. Yeah. And then I'm out in thirty. Yeah. If that. People were pissed. We had like three stars on Yelp, which like just doesn't happen. And like you know, it was. How did you adjust? Or what? Or and let me ask, what sort of mental jujitsu did you have to do to be okay with going through that rough time? We. The, there's no silver bullet, right? Yeah, you just you just go through it. Like that's the the thing about like falling into the shit is that you're in the shit. Like there's nothing you can do. You just have to work your way out of it. And uh, I think a lot of it came down to um, like figuring out what our specific approach to food was mm. and what it meant for us, not just from a menu perspective, but from being an employer perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know how our food uh, program should run. So. It was a gradual, like, we worked out the biggest things immediately, but I'd say that it took us a couple of years to, to really wow. get to a point where we felt like we were building, uh, you know, off of sort of our positive wins. And this is pretty heartbreaking for us, right? Because what I had just talked about was getting that first handshake. Sure. How important that was. And we had it. We had the first handshake. But people showed up. Right. And we fucked it up. Right, because some people go like, I'd love to go there, but I don't want to wait for an hour yeah. for my food. Let's go somewhere else. And then they go, oh, I like this place enough. And my food comes in, yeah, you know, 20 minutes. Yeah. So how do you build that trust back? I mean, it's a really, really long process. And you just have to 
you just have to nail it. Like mm. you just have to fine tune your operations. You know, for us, like we had things on the menu that we knew had to sit in the oven for 20 minutes and you have the prep that comes before that, the 20 minutes that it sits in the oven plus, you know, plating it and getting it out. And, you know, suddenly it's 35 minutes. Sure. When we were first starting, right, it was just the two of us and something didn't work. We would just look at each other in the middle of a busy service and say, this is going. Go. Got 86. Go. Get out. Here. You add in, like, basically you're giving the keys to the kingdom to somebody else as far as the food program goes. You're becoming a larger organization. You have three shops, four shops, five shops instead of two shops. Making those decisions become goes from being really, really, really easy to being really, really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to socialize it and, you know. Yeah. Right. Because someone's like, I love the the peach muffin. Well, you also don't want, like, like as employers, it's our job to empower people to yeah. feel like they're, they can do their best work and bring themselves to it. And it, it, it is defeating to get your thing 86. Of course. So a few years go by, you figure out the kinks. When does the idea of wider spread expansion start to take place and how do you put that into action? Yeah. So we, it took us a long time, but we had finally after, um, four years in business, we had three locations that were operating like, like really, really well. Like they were well-oiled machines. All three of them were busy. We managed to like eke out a profit and fantastic. Hey, good for us. Yeah. Uh, we managed to eke out a profit and, um, I think I've like, we've always been very project oriented people. And so I, th- I think for us, like the narrative is less about like world domination and more about like, can, let's do new stuff. Like sure. we want to do new things. It's like if you're a band, like each of these cafes is like an album, mm. right? And so, we, you know, it's not like we're just like throwing the same DNA into the building and saying like, that's it. Each one is a new release for us and there's a new idea or 10 new ideas or a hundred new ideas baked into each one. And like it... Just, just like hanging out and operating is just not, that's just not who we are. Sure. And so every new location is going to allow for something different. Hell yeah. But then how do you balance that with the core identity where if I'm in a different part of town and I see one of your shops, I'm like, okay, I want to be able to have a similar experience across town. Well, the the core menu is, is the same. Sure. Right. But there's like extra menu items. Mm -hmm. There's like, you know, some of the things that might be different sorry for the truck sound all good we're in Vernon it <laughs> we're happens. in Vernon people are trucking yeah uh, like uh, the difference might be the music center where we did like the hi-fi thing with sure. Dub Lab right and that's really cool because we get to play records all day and we love playing records all day um, or the Cinerama thing which is like more paired back and like fun stuff to take into the movie theater and so but it's also like if you come in and say give me a Cortado there's your fucking Cortado like that that exists but we have like I think the way that we're thinking about it now is like we have this like expanded bin of parts, you know, now there's like a burger in there and like other, you know, breakfast burrito and whatever. And we can kind of plug different things into different cafes depending on what is important to the people that we're serving there. Uh, Like if we were to open at a yoga studio, maybe the burger wouldn't be the thing. Um, (laughs) Or it'd be a Beyond Meat burger or something a little bit different. Right. And so like, you know, I, I think it's really important to us you know, as we scale 
Go Get Him Tiger to continue to be people's neighborhood cafe. And that means that we take inventory of what matters to people in that community. And we try to reflect the best of that community back, back at them. You know, you talked earlier about the handshakes from the New York Times, but now you're getting these handshakes from different communities and community leaders. I know you just mentioned the Arclight Cinema, but to be in, I would say, the most iconic movie theater in all of L.A., what does that mean to you? How does that partnership come about? How do you approach something like that? And, you know, how do you not get in your head about going about setting up a coffee shop in a location like that? I mean, it's just it's just really, really cool. And it, it, this is five years, I think, in the making. Like, five years ago, we... Um, the, the people who run the Arclight are uh, customers at Archmont. Family and, business, like passed down yep. through generations. And uh, they asked about um, like the possibility of us doing something inside, and we went and we looked around, and we walked by the, the dome, and it was like, what, you know, what's up with these box offices? Like, are they being used? And it's like, they were just storage. So the idea was like then and there, like let's have a cafe, let's put a bar out front, mm. and you know that that idea sat in the ether for basically four years before it ever kind of came to fruition. So more than anything, it's just like an awesome idea that we had uh, half a decade ago that finally gets to happen. And also like the the so ArcLight is like father and son uh, basically kind of run things, and they still do like a lot of the on the ground decision making, even though now they're like a national mm-hmm. chain of theaters. Um, and it was so easy to have ideas with them because usually when you're dealing with like a landlord or like some kind of development, right? It's like, well, everything kind of has to like fit into this box. How much money you're making per square foot, you know, first, what is the rent and blah, blah, blah. But like for us at no point when we were thinking about doing this thing at Cinerama, were we like, oh, like, (laughs) like, I don't think we talked about revenue really once until like right before opening we're like what do we think we're gonna do here yeah. like like are we gonna are we gonna make any money here I, you know I don't know but for us it was and, and the same is true with the music center yeah it was completely about the soul of the place what it means to Angelinos and how we feel like we want to be that company that it, that shows up for that stuff yeah. also we're I mean we're going to the farmer's market on Sunday we're uh, you know going to Amoeba this is like, a, we're seeing a movie in the dome, uh, you know, when it's like a Paul Thomas Anderson, sure. know, like 70 millimeter uh, extravaganza. And we're all of that- on Kawanga till four in the morning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're hanging out at the romper room. The yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so it's a part of your, it's part of your life. Yeah, like yeah, you're a part of the community. Like you're not some outsider coming in. Yeah. And it, it, it's a joy. It's like we, we get to, we get to have the thing that we do be a part of that. Yeah. And, I, I hope, like, I do hope that it comes through, like, all, I think all of our spots, every single shop that we have is, like, a place that we have, like, a very close personal relationship with for one reason or another, and what we hope comes through, like, in those locations is, like, the actual joy that it brings us to be able to do that thing there. I mean, what does it mean, and what advice would you give to have that patience for those ideas to come to fruition, especially from getting started to even having success and being like, this is a cool project, it's not gonna be viable for five years. Yeah. I mean, realistically, like, it just looks that way because all of our 
like terrible ideas never came to fruition, right? So sure. we've had a million ideas over <laughs> the course of the seven years that we've been operating, and only a few of them have kind of made their way out. So, uh, so is time a good filter? Time's a good yeah. filter. Take a lot of swings. Take a lot of swings. And let ideas live. Don't dismiss stuff out of hand right away. Like the notion, like we, what we were presented with is like, do you want to be the coffee shop in the corner of the lobby of Arclight? And it would have been easy to walk into that room and be like, nah. Right. <laughs> be like, no. It's like, yes, we want to work together. Come back. Think on that. And then go back and be like, what about this? Yeah. And sometimes when you present a different idea, people go like, oh, I never thought about it that way. Yeah. Because we didn't know it could be that way. Yeah. Or even the, the Los Feliz shop, which was an apartment and then a tattoo studio and like off the street and like you can't park there. Like, oh, yeah. That parking was, over there is... It's gnarly. It's I gnarly. totally underestimated uh, the parking snafus. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've also watched people get hit on the street. Oh, yeah. Although they put in a they put they in put a crosswalk. walkway. Yeah. That that area is one of my most beloved areas to go eat and drink. It's and it's hang amazing out. now with the Kismet rotisserie yeah. and everything. And homestay and everything yeah. and it is the worst parking. That's how much I love it because I'll still go to that area. Yeah. So beyond Uber, Uber or Lyft. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um <laughs> beyond the the physical expansion, you guys also are doing merch, you have a coffee service program, you have Brand awareness and brand extensions that don't rely ultimately on a physical store. What has the importance been to that growth and how is it important to go beyond just a store? I think you are probably giving us too much credit for how strategic that stuff is. Uh, hard hitting question. <laughs> no, I mean it's it's um it's because it's right now that's about like the soul and the feel and we the way that the merch came about like the doing doing like the new merch stuff was we had this barista working for us who uh, we realized because we had her do like a few like postcards like event things mm-hmm. like you're just a fucking really cool artist and we just want you to make things for us. Yeah. Uh, I love that. Yeah. And so it wasn't, it wasn't like, well, you know, like we need to like, you know, build our brand through merch, but like immediately, like we did our first like drop, you know, uh, (laughs) that's what the kids say. Uh, before uh, now every restaurant has merch. Yeah. You guys started a little bit before. Yeah. I'll give you credit where credit's due on the record. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate it. I've got the socks on right now, um, but uh, uh, we uh, when we did the first drop, we had like two hundred of everything, and they just like it was gone. Yeah, it was actually gone before people could write about it. Um, and it the was best, like best problem to have. Yeah, with, so with people merch. people really like this. I think doing the like limited run thing where it's like so that you can like timestamp people's relationships mm. to the company and like you're out there representing, and it's like you have one of the original blah 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 sure shirts or whatever like. That that makes people feel good. Yeah. And it feels good for us. Like, I was just in New York last week, and three times in Manhattan, I saw somebody wearing a Go Get Him Tiger hat. That's three right. times. What the fuck? I went to Disneyland, oh, and yeah. I saw people wearing GG, like the coffee hats yeah. and the GGT hats at Disneyland. My brother lives in Idaho, and he's like, I ran into another person, like, wearing a... I, like, I don't know it's how good, that happens. I mean, sometimes the hats and the extensions go beyond the physical nature 
of of something. Yeah. Because it becomes just something that people like. Yeah. Oh, I, so like I was never a skateboarder. Yeah. But I loved I loved the culture of skateboarding sure. and the way that like I love like skateboard fashion. Like I I think that that like the skaters know things and they are cool. Oh, yeah. And so we you know when this started to happen, it was like we we should just operate like a skate company when it comes to like all the merch stuff. I love it. Yeah. So as you look to the future, as we sit in the warehouse slash clubhouse, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what lessons from the past are you going to take into your future growth? Ooh, that's really good. I mean, there's like a thousand of them. Uh, you know, I think right now, like the last year for us has been a lot about learning how to manage and uplift and motivate a team to carry on your vision, um, learning how to communicate that vision really well. Um, Charles, for instance, has like really come into his own as like a person who can like actually set very clear goals for groups of people to achieve. And <laughs> I've maybe come into my own <laughs> as like a little bit more of Charles, like, anytime you want to tell me how I've come into my own. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's your cue, Charles. Uh, no, no. I mean, but like, you know, and I've felt a little bit more free to mm-hmm. just be like, like what's next and like, sure. what are we doing next? It's a L- little time to dream. Yeah. Like this last store that we opened, like I showed up in the last week, you know, and like they did the things that we talked about doing, uh, which was amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so lessons that we've learned. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just like right now our world, it, owning a business has been just relentlessly learning lessons and never getting to not learn lessons. So it's, it's almost like a, a funny thing to think like, like that there's like a tipping point at any moment because the second you move on from one thing, you're into a whole other world. And when, you know, I think we sit down and think about where we were a year ago we thought we knew a lot and we were fools. And, hmm. you know, if you think about where we were two years ago, uh, it's the exact same thing. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that both of us are driven towards like constantly evolving this thing that we're putting our lives into. So it's kind of the nature of what we do, the craft and what, what we're passionate about. Uh, but I think that's just, that's just what, you know, being an owner of a company is. And at a certain point, I think it went from being like, you know, the challenges of like, oh, we're just getting started. Like we have to just work these 20 hour days or these 18 hour days to, oh my God, we have to figure out how to manage people to, you know, the next 20 years of our lives is just gonna be learning things. And getting to like, I think right now what it feels like is we're starting to feel comfortable riding those waves and we're starting to feel comfortable with all of the changes. And that's pretty exciting. Yeah, I mean, I think like the thing that we've always, the thing that we've always known how to do is fail a lot. Mm. Uh, and what we've gotten better at is failing quickly yeah. um, and moving on. And so like people don't, like I, you know, even like our most regular customers, like you could catalog, you know, like all the dumb shit that we've done or like all the new stuff that we've rolled out that hasn't worked or whatever. But like what we've gotten good at is just like recognizing like, okay, this doesn't stick, like move on. And, and that's something that we were good at when we were a small business. Yeah. Like when we were, when it was just us, like I said, like we would make those decisions really quick. It was that transition uh, to being, you know, somebody who's like teaching people who are in the positions to make the decisions 
uh, and setting an institutional standard of, of assessing our successes and our failures and moving on, that was like a multi-year transition. Amazing. Well, I want to thank you guys so much. Thank Congrats. you. Congrats. Thank you. If people want to check out all the goings-ons, where can they go? Uh, they can go to our shops. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, if you check out, if you go to our website, ggt.com, um, you can see where all of our locations on have are. We have a good Instagram feed. We have a mailing list. You should join. Sweet. And uh, yeah, drink drink good coffee. Either either have it with us or uh, support another good coffee shop locally. Wonderful. Well, thank you guys. We have another song from the archives and then a live performance here on Snacky Tunes on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. This episode has been brought to you by Worldwide Soba, a Japanese noodle production company. Founded by Shuichi Kotani, Worldwide Soba offers noodle consulting services in addition to supplying a variety of tools for wannabe noodle makers. Want to take a class? Worldwide Soba has it. Need a traditional Japanese soba knife? Worldwide Soba has that too. 
To learn more, visit worldwide-soba.com. I don't know if I've ever seen or heard such like a driving vocal performance from Anthony that they're always like off into space, some ethereal thing. But that is a Who Might Feel So Free? It's a men's song featuring Anthony. And then before that was Matt Pompier. Summer is coming because it is. Uh, I'd like to. <laughs> it is. As it is. It is a fact. Uh, it, it's a fact. Guess what's also coming? Winter, fall, all that stuff. I know, but we're already in winter. Uh, we'd like to welcome to the show baths hey how could how can we refer to you in the show though if i have to i'm will i'm will okay that's fine um i am gonna embarrass you for like two seconds that's fine. uh my friend our good friend shelly uh who's been on the show before Le- hello uh she said during cmj she's like i've got it you gotta come see this band with me baths and i said okay and then i saw you like at three times i oh wow. yeah uh so um <laughs> Now that's I'm gonna stab fan you. Out. Yeah, now, no, I'm gonna, now, now this is the best stock away. It's like, come on, radio show. <laughs> but, let me uh, uh, let me ask the hard hitting question first. Which do you prefer more, showers or baths? Uh, it depends on the situation. Really that's that that actually the correct answer. That's correct answer. Um, that is the correct answer. If I for for those of you who have not seen um, your setup, it's an NPC player. Yeah, it's like a, it's an MPD thing. The thing itself is pretty empty. All the stuff is in the computer, and then attach that to the computer, and then I'm singing along with it. But it's like that's. I have to sing and be really there and in the room and like active and stuff. So. Yeah, as um as a laptop DJ and knowing the, like the uh, what it, like what the I'm actually do- what I'm doing for actually like you are incredibly involved. Um, it's a nice setup with some lights and a, yes. a little a little blanket or I don't know a tablecloth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's like I mean you are really like uh, you're, I in mean, you're in it and you're tweaking knobs and I don't uh, and I and I watched because the first time I was like mm, uh, all right guy yeah. with your knob tweaking and then by the third time I was like. All right, guy, with that knob tweaking, <laughs> this is pretty amazing, and it, it it looks very involved. And I definitely think that, like, it, if like you know, outside of the voice, like if you weren't up there, uh, that those noises would not be made. So, yeah. uh, like, what? How long did it take to perfect that show? Because you were so involved in that show. Well, it's it's a game. It's constant. It's not. I don't even think it's perfected at this point. But it's like um, it's gotten to a point where I'm very comfortable with it. I'm doing very fairly simple things like I have all the songs that I'm performing split up into four sections and I'm affecting them as I go and sort of like changing the rhythms and dropping things out so that they're more affecting when the vocals come in all that type of stuff like I'm doing a lot of it on the fly a lot of it is improvisation but it's like so every show's different yes every show's always different it's, it really was uh, like one of my favorite things and uh, also kind of inspiring because we write music and I was like hey I just saw this guy who did this thing is obviously very like one man show electronic based but it definitely looks like like he didn't get up yesterday and was like I'm no. gonna perform a show that's, uh, that's the best thing is like after I perform if somebody's like yo man whose music was that that was so cool like they think it, I right. was DJing somebody else it's like god uh, do you have any thoughts to expand your life show to more than just you? It- Absolutely. That's the whole plan. That's the whole goal is that this is where it is right now because I'm by myself. This right. record was built completely me on my own, and that's the sound of it, and that's the performance that I wanted. But that's specifically this album. The next album that I'm working towards and what I've done in the past is with a large band set up. Like, for one of my older projects, I had like a cellist, a bassist. Oh, cool. a and you, you have a side project that's performing band. tomorrow night at... Glasslands? Yeah, I'm writing. I'm writing the set today and tomorrow before the show. So. Uh, what's the name of that? that Geotic. We're not here to talk about Geotic. <laughs> We're here to talk about bath. Yeah. Hard hitting question. Ready? Yes. What would you like to be served in a bath? Like, what would be the ideal meal? Oh, oh man. man. No, that's that, a real thing. That's like a gummo type of question. Like peppermint water and gum. 
like cleansing things, like a lot of tea, maybe. Not like a steak. No, absolutely not like food. Really? Because really? I I went like I would like a steak Ugh. with like some French fries and a bat. What no, if you drop it though? Then so everything gross. is over. Everything the is ruined. Well, let, let me let me put, you, let me put it this way: if I'm at the level where I'm getting dinner served to me in the steak, I have already solved the how to not yeah. drop food. I, 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 to be honest, I don't think I don't think you have to be that well off to get a, a dinner in a bathtub. I have eaten a bowl of hot spicy chili in the bath. <laughs> <laughs> that, that actually color, hot, co- color commentary now taken over by Al. <laughs> a hot rich meal inside a bath I'm with you something effervescent something like light yes absolutely like uh, what, like one of those whipped desserts that tastes like clouds whatever oh. I forget what it is oh, actually, oh nice big ball of cotton candy in the <laughs> bath <laughs> no I don't know I can't, I'm terrible with food I don't know I uh, what do you eat on the road what do you normally what's your go to I can't admit it on Come on, show. <laughs> you can't. No, you can't. basically, like this story, I've been having a lot of the McDonald's oatmeal that they oh. introduced because it's like healthy, very fast. And With the uh, Vermont maple syrup, which actually has to come from Vermont. Yes. And have you had any of the yeah. Zagat yeah. number one rated KFC chicken? No, I have not. <laughs> Is I that true? Yeah. No, dude. Uh, we we did research on it because like KFC now has all these ads like Zagat number one rated, and, but they did like a fast food survey, so it's like all right, so of. Of the worst, this is the best. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, congrats. Con- yeah, hey, congrats hey, to them. We'll, we'll be having the colonel on next week to talk about the big win. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's what? He's, oh. Oh, so, never mind. You know, it's, it's great. You've been, how long has Bath's been, the Bath Project been, been active? Uh, since September of 2009. Okay. Exactly. So not that, so a year and some change. Yeah, it was basically like I saw... Um, one show specifically in Los Angeles where a lot of the big sort of electronic music players in LA like Daedalus, uh, Flying Lotus, No Such Thing, Tokyo Monster, all these people played and I had that full band set up that I was talking about at the time but I saw that and I desperately wanted to be able to pull a show off by myself in a similar fashion and it was literally that day I said to my friend Mario, I was like, I want to do that, I want that and then I built the album over the next couple of months to fit that Performance, that type of thing, and then everything started happening. From what what programs do you write in? Uh, I used to use Digital Performer a lot, but now I use a mix between Digital Performer and Ableton because Digital Performer is sort of archaic. Got it. Yeah, uh, that was for our techies. Let's get, <laughs> let, let, let's get, let's get uh, some music going. I was like, I, I got a few more questions. <laughs> I really do. But I know, but we can come I know, back. But I, I was one one question because mm. uh, just one thing. You, why are you taking your pants off? Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's actually more just a fact. It, it happens. So you st- you've been around for like you know say a year and a half. I, I feel like you know from CMJ on, you've really begun to hit. You're like in the cusp. You've sold out shows. So like, how are you feeling? The difference now changing from you know just like hi, I'm Bass to being like people's percep- like perception of you. I I have no idea. It's like things are happening so fast that I I don't really keep track of it. I'm just sort of I just keep saying hi. That's Leo's job. The, yeah. the press agent who's yes. here. He's the one who's <laughs> far more aware of yeah. my life like that than uh, I am. So. Great. So um you, you picked out some songs yeah. to play um, oh, so now we're ready? Now we're ready. Okay. I, I had a question. <laughs> okay. It was it was pressing. Now I'm going to press play. But, on the uh, songs that you selected, God, any yes. any type of theme that we should know. No, about? it was literally like I grabbed it and chose the first things that came to mind. Oh, you have the oh, this is great. Oh, on the I fly. love the books. Oh, cool. So we're gonna open up with one of your songs. Okay. Well, that's what you put first. Uh, what song is it called? Somerset. Yes. Okay. It is yours, right? <laughs> it's on, yes, it is, it's on something I'm selling on tour, exclusive to the tour. So okay, so we'll talk about it afterwards. Um, this is uh, we're gonna keep eating. We have so much pizza and so cookies. much pizza, P- cookies. pizza and cookies here. Uh, you're listening to um, a Bath's hand selected on the fly playlist on Snacky Tunes.
And that was just a playlist put together by Will, a.k.a. Bats, as we all put ourselves into pizza and cookie-induced comas. Yeah, we really never, I have to tell you guys, like, we really never eat this, this uh-huh. much food. Are you serious? Yeah. And I would like to tell you that every week we eat this much food. <laughs> all right, we normally don't have cookies, which are delicious. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what do we say about phones? So, so close. No. No. Uh, no. <laughs> I'm trying to be a jerk about it. Trying to be a jerk. It's not even working. Oh, there, there, it is. Is. there it is. There it is. Is Heritage, it Heritage. Is it important? <laughs> not really. Oh, well. <laughs> so whoever is calling at uh, 258, Alan, I, it's recorded on the podcast. Yeah. Not that important. Not that important. <laughs> I was just try, I was trying. To, I mean, it's more important than either of you two guys. Yeah. But it's but then. Hey, we're willing to thank everybody coming snacking. <laughs> um, so uh, so we'll talk to us about some of that music. Oh, okay. And how well, it inspires you <laughs> as an artist. I can't even remember what songs did we um, do. Uh, you know, we started off with the books one. Yeah, but you don't think it was on shuffle, so I don't even think we went in order. Okay, well, I know for, like, <laughs> if it's a cool point, the the books, the one of the best shows that I've ever seen in my life was seeing the books at the Getty Museum in LA, which oh, was That's a total pretty surprise. amazing. It was before I had fully dove into them and everything and I saw it and they said themselves at the show that it was one of their favorite shows and favorite venues that they it's really nice when you can really it's funny because I saw the books here and they said it was one of their favorite uh, <laughs> I think it's really Awkward. nice when you can uh, <laughs> see a band and you can tell that they're having a great time that's so many times and you see know a band and you're like that was great and they're like oh we played like crap yeah do you know what like, well, exactly. keep it to yourself yeah, exactly. when I when I saw you the three times and this is where it gets really creepy and fanny go 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 um you really did look like it, each time was like the you were having the best time, and not only that, you were incredibly appreciative of the crowd, yeah. um, and like so happy that they were with you every minute. And that's yeah. why I kept. I think I was like I told uh, Darren, I was like, "Hey, you got to come see this guy with me because it's one of like." I, I mean, I feel like I've seen so much music, and for CMJ, you just become like so numb to it. So yeah, I, was, I saw you, you Brooklyn Bowl. Oh, cool! I cool, was cool. ten sheets to the wind. <laughs> I had a blast. Did you wait? I was did, like, yeah. did you? Uh, did they? They take care. They took care of your Brooklyn, but we always they're like yeah. one of the best. What did you eat when you were there? Do you remember? Oh, God, fried I, chicken. So just whatever it was, I had too much. I remember that. Yeah, I remember they, they I really. Like, it's like it's like that, that actually yeah. is also the correct answer That's for Brooklyn. Yeah. It's also like it's like okay, I'm, I I want all this food, but. It, it's tricky because do you yeah. eat it before and then it's like I just had no. That's the thing is in life. In life, I don't eat four hours before a show so that I'm completely empty. That's like the magic. Clear. That's the magic number. Most people. Yeah. Most people put it between three and four hours before they play a show. They don't yeah. eat. Yeah. I will be eating wings at like ten ten minutes <laughs> up to it. I'll be like, I do not feel good about jumping around, dude. I'm yelling so much that it's like if there's anything in my system, it's like Hah! <laughs> the whole time is horrible. Is and we're gonna leave you with that quote. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> so, uh, so what can people couldn't expect uh, coming up from from the world of bats? Marble, uh, <laughs> granite, porcelain. What are we talking? <laughs> so many, oh. so many releases this year. A seven inch I have coming up, and then uh, stuff I'm selling on tour, and then the new album is probably 2012. I haven't started working on it. 2012. Yet, so. Yeah. Yeah. That Not happens. this year. Not this year. We're, we're already. Yeah. yeah, my, yeah. Tomorrow, <laughs> dude. In, in the in the press world, Leo, come on, back in the, in the oh, press. Yeah, it's like before in, the world ends. 2015 over here. Yeah. yeah it's 2015. <laughs> uh, so you remember uh, when? Like, if, remember when like bands used to put out like a new album every four months? What? Yeah. We just woke up this morning and a pitchfork apparently announced that radio has yep. a new album coming out in a this week. week no, like, coming out this weekend. This weekend. And, like, and a new radio hit. Oh, when, when was their last album, though? See, I love that. A though. week Why? ago? They don't need hype. <laughs> Come on, No. Dude, if you're them, they don't need hype. You're radio Oh, I, I wonder if it'll yeah. do well. That's sort of the game. <laughs> yeah. They played a game on the last one and they're playing a game on this one by yeah. having a one-week press campaign and that's it. Uh, are they playing the same game about pay what you want for this one? No. They're not, but they're calling it a newspaper. I don't know. I don't they're know. calling it's it a crazy. what? A newspaper album. That was I just read the article. What does that like mean? Ten minutes ago. 
Oh, did they? Pr- I think it's something like they're giving it away on a newspaper, or like in a newspaper, and then yeah. well, they're the going to be repackaging it. I heard something about repackaging in May. I don't yeah, know the details, know, but like they're doing like a full what? thing down the road. Hey, the second it goes digital, it well, doesn't. That's, I mean, that's what's happening is it's going to be digital in a week. Yeah, or right. Weekend, so. All right. Uh, so the show this Wednesday is sold out. And awesome, awesome. So Dear that's great. Thank you for listening. You can't go. If you want to be ahead of the curve, you can come see your side project tomorrow yes. at Classlands. Yes, I'm writing an entire set tonight and tomorrow. What do you mean you're you're writing an entire set? Like I, like from scratch, I'm making a set. But you put oh, is your original music for that. That's what I mean. It's like I'm writing original. In music comedy, this would tomorrow. be referring to as the new hour. You're writing <laughs> your new hour. I guess so. Yeah. All right. Okay. Great. <laughs> so the last song we're gonna play is a Lollipuna track. Yes. Wait. Hold on. Yeah. Nuts and bolts. Where we find you on the internet. Oh, yeah. Le- do you want oh, Leo uh, to do this? Well, you every give- single social networking website, it's slash Baths Music. B-A-T-H-S-M-U-S-I-C. Leo, anything you want to add? I mean, this is your chance, man. I, I, I really got nothing over here. I don't know how I got roped into this, but... Uh... <laughs> hey, remember, every time you sign that check, it's the I got nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got nothing. Oh, yeah. How did we do last time, I, Mr. I got nothing? Can we go back to food? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, hold on. What is your favorite thing to eat when you get off stage? Oh, cra- uh, Thai iced tea. That's, That's not fine. Food. That is also a correct That's answer. Okay. That's oh, a correct answer. Hey, uh, just to let you know that you uh, you went you batted a thousand today. Yeah, every cool. you answered everything correctly. Awesome. So so let's yeah. thank you, uh, uh, Jack Insley. Thank you, Heritage Network. We got a big announcement coming. Is it next week? Is there something big, like that? Uh, uh, Alan, Alan, great. Yes, and uh, do you, I was good. Who's, who's put, <laughs> I forgot to ask who's putting the book out. We are debating between publishers at the moment. Awesome. That is a very. That is also the correct answer. Everyone. Everyone <laughs> does so well. Answers, yeah. Everyone does so, so well at the show. Uh, and we did pretty well. There's just a couple oh, oh, bites can, left of pizza. And can we thank cookies. Heritage for the rack of ribs they gave us? Oh yeah, Heritage. Uh, we had a meeting with the head Patrick. of Heritage, Patrick, and he uh, said, "You guys want to take anything?" And because uh, you guys don't know, but Heritage background is it's a, a food company. They give us two sacks of stew meat, a ham hock, and some ribs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what has your radio station done for you recently? <laughs> so it's going to be a, 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 a wonderful dinner, a, a, a porky spring. Yeah. Uh, next week, super excited. Alan, you're good. You're a good buddy, Jordana Rothman. Jordana Rothman. Oh, Jordana Rothman. So for all those, who don't I just know, had dinner with her at Goat Town in the East Village, which we can not recommend. Oh, oh. I, and guess what? <laughs> I love it because Goat Town feels that that is the incorrect answer. <laughs> I really, uh, I really love talking to Jordana about food. She, her wit and her her remarks are always they but make me titter. Jordana was my assistant. Oh, really? Put out the Festivus book, yeah. Jordana helped me make um, Festivus nails, Festivus shrimp impaled on mini Festivus poles. Her wit is one of, her Her wit is from a different era, and I love it. But just so you know, for any of you uh, Snacky Tune uh, listeners uh, and podcast fans, uh, jo- Jordana was on a year ago predicting food trends of She was on twice, you have to remember. So there was one where she was on by herself and one with Ma- Mark Pastor. The one where she was on by herself, she did a prediction of 2010. And so this is this is the year after follow up, which I am surprised it's been a year. So if between now and then, if you want to go to our podcast uh, Snacky Tunes and look for Jordana Rothman to uh, brush up on it, as we will as well, and then we will just have um, an hour long food uh, special next week for yep. predictions of 2011. Even though we're no already, music, right? No music, just food. We're going to talk. Jordan, uh, Jordana yeah. is worth the hour. Uh, really? Yeah. Oh, you're. I mean, oh. oh I, I, all right, this guy seemed all right, but whatever. Wow, <laughs> wow. All right, um, phone no. call not important, and uh, a bit of a bum out. <laughs> no, it, hold on. <laughs> no, it's just that there's so much. There's so much. Jordan is wonderful, and you guys will have a great show. Yes, yeah, and you. I will say this: that I've gone back to listen to the show, 
She's she's she she got a lot right. Uh, all right, well we'll, we'll save it. A lot we'll right. Save it for we can wait. We waited. Spoiler. A, yeah, spoiler. Save it for the sequel. <laughs> all right, so here we go. Um, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with Jordana Roth, and this is see the world, see the wood for the trees. Bonus track. Bonus track off what? The new Lollipop album. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. Anything, Terry? Uh, that's bring it, it on spring.
talk about food. We talk about music with musical dudes. Finger on the pulse, snacky tunes. This program is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.